0: guys can hear me? So, today, we're going to get right into it because I've got a lot of material here to go through. We're going to be talking about Arm Yourself is the title of this series. And for those of you who maybe don't know me very well, I'm originally from Texas. And so a phrase like arm yourself can kind of take on a life of its own. Uh, So I just want to, right at the start, I'll be very clear, we're not going to be talking about... uh, gun control or anything crazy like that. We're not going to be talking about arming ourselves physically. We're not forming the Church at Five Militia here. We are going to be talking about arming ourselves spiritually. And so we're going to be looking at some tools that God has given us to be armed and to be ready spiritually as we go through this life. And our text is going to be Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. It's a famous passage when it comes to arming ourselves and uh, this text uses a soldier's armor uh, that would have been very common and everybody would have known about as a metaphor for the spiritual armor of God that we can put on as believers today. And so we're going to be kind of going through this section by section and looking at what, how Paul talks about this, how he unfolds this metaphor and Applying it to our lives today, and hopefully we'll all leave here feeling a little bit more armed, a little more ready, especially going into this break, that we're ready for whatever God has for us, and that we're prepared, that we're armed spiritually. That is something that we should definitely be taking full advantage of. So before we dive in, let me just take a minute. I want to give this time over to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your Word. We thank you so much, Lord, that you uh, you don't just give us. Uh, an idea or a task without giving us the tools to accomplish it, Father. And you've called us, Lord, to be your representatives here on this earth, and you've given us armor, Father, as, the, as we face enemies, as we battle in this life. And so I thank you, Father, for that, and I ask that it would be clear to us how we can live this out, how we can apply this to our lives, be armed in our day-to-day, and I ask that you would give me wisdom, that my heart would be opened. I speak only your truth, and that we would all leave here today with a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So to get started, uh, we're going to, like I said, we're going to go through this in sections. We're going to go through it bit by bit uh, to kind of save time. So we're not going to read the whole text at first, but again, the whole point of this is going to be looking at armor. So let me read the first verse. So chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So before, before we can even dive into the text or the armor, we have to look at this very first word, finally, because this is kind of t- saying, you could translate this as, as in conclusion. As, so all, he's reaching kind of an end point and all of the text we're going to be looking at today is kind of a, a conclusion or I would say, I see it as kind of the tools looking at what he had already been going through all the way through this letter to the Ephesians. So with that in mind, we have to kind of take a moment to understand this text best. We need to have some point of reference of what the writer, in this case Paul, is concluding. What is he concluding in this text? So, not we're not going to be able to go through the whole letter, of course. But I do want to look at a few key themes that I think kind of repeat themselves throughout uh, the letter. And seem to be uh, what applies most to our text that we're going to be looking at today. And one is our identity in Christ. I think a lot of the, the, the letter to the Ephesians is about our identity in Christ. And Paul talks a lot about how we are alive in Christ. So we were dead, and he comes and he resurrects us to life. And that's, we're connected with him in, that, in his resurrection, and so we're brought to life, and that's a part of our identity. And in that, we're also united together as believers. So this is a, a lot of the beginning of the book and another key part of it is his kind of practical applications of this. So he talks a lot about what, how we're alive in Christ, we're united, there's no Gentile or Jew anymore, we're all Christians, we're all believers, followers of Christ, and our identity is united in that. And then he gives some really just practical living examples, how do we live out Christ, our identity in Christ as parents, as husband or wife, as Even He even goes into slaves and slave owners and he goes through these really practical applications of how to live that out. And so when our identity is found in him, then his love and his grace and his mercy will be seen in our everyday life. And we've talked a lot about that here and I think this is a lot of really practical stuff, stuff that you'll you'll know, you'll be able to connect with. And so I want to kind of just let you know that that's where this... Uh, text that we're going to be diving into today is coming from. So a lot of this, our identity and how to live that out. And then another key theme, relative especially to our text today, is the age in which we live. And for that, I'm going to read Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 16. Be very careful then how you live. Again, talking about how we live, especially in connection with our identity in Christ, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. So this is another key part of what we're going to be diving into today, that we need to understand what he's concluding here, that there is this sense of our identity in Christ, and there's a need to live that out, but it's not going to be easy, because we live in a fallen world, and it's an evil age in which we live in. And I don't think I'd really have to do a lot of work to convince anybody here of that. If you've ever watched the news or look around you, you can see that there is definitely something not quite right. It's not all, you know, butterflies and rainbows out there. There's some darkness. There's an evilness, evil age that we live in. And so that's important for us to recognize, especially if we're going to be talking about arming ourselves. So... Going back to verse 10. Be strong. So that's just all. That's just the first word. Now we'll go into the rest of the first verse. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So this, in connection with looking at where Paul is kind of leading to in his text throughout the letter, we see that there is a calling. There's this command to be strong in this. That to be strong in our identity, to be strong in the way we live out our lives, in the practical, how we live as a, as a father or as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a worker, how we actually live that out, we need to be strong in it. But the requirement to be able to live this out is not in our own strength or our own might, but be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So this kind of brings us all together. This first verse, he's kind of summing up the letter, and then he's going to give us the image of the tools that we have uh, to be able to actually accomplish that, what God has given us. So, again, identity in Christ, and here's how it looks day to day in your everyday life. And then, remember, it's not going to be easy, because you live in an evil age, and you have forces working against you, and so you need God's strength. You need to do it in His might, in His power, not on your own. So now let's dive into verses 11 through 12, Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, again, this is pretty clear. He's talking about demonic forces. He's talking about the devil. But before we dive into exactly what that looks like, I want to be really clear because I don't want us to leave here thinking, oh, well, we, you know, the devil made me do it. We don't want to have that kind of philosophy when we're thinking about this thing. So really quickly, I want to go through the threefold enemy of the Christian. That we all we have our enemy is a threefold one. The first is self. We have an enemy of ourselves that we seem to we battle our, ourselves. We have the enemy of the world, and we have our the enemy of the evil one, referring that the text is referring to the devil. So really quickly with self. Just want to be very clear. We, in our own human nature, are prone to sin. That we, have, we are in ourselves, apart from the devil, capable of immense evil. That uh, is something that we have to be aware of if we're going to be trying to walk in a righteous life, which is going to be important when we get to the armor. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want to do. So this is the enemy from within. So we're kind of being attacked from all sides here. We have to keep this in mind. We need to be aware of our enemies, and one of them is ourselves. That this flesh that we have can be an enemy of us, and so we need to... Just because it feels right or is, seems like the good, the right thing to do doesn't necessarily mean it is. And this is, this is this conflict between our spirit and our flesh. And so that's one of our enemies. We won't have time to get deeper into that, but just to be aware. Another is our enemies from without. First, I'll read a verse in reference to the world, the world as as something we need to be cautious about. 1 John 2 Verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So this is another aspect of our enemy, the world. And the devil will use the world, and it can be very enticing. And just to be clear, we're talking about the desires of the world, not people in the world. We're not to, to, to be uh, avoiding people, we're to love people. But there are things, I think the key word here is love. I think that's, to me, the distinguishing uh, point that, that he makes here in, in 1 John, that We need to not love the world, but love God, and if we love things in the world, then what we'll find is that it becomes more important, and we'll end up becoming, even getting to the point where we're worshiping this thing, and so that's what he's saying we need to be very cautious about. We don't want to love the world. We want to be always in love with God first, and always be drawn to Him first, and never Anything that we put in the world above that is going to be something that actually ends up drawing us away from God. And that's when it becomes dangerous and becomes an enemy uh, to our very souls. And the last one that we'll spend most of the time on, because this is what the text is focusing on, is the devil. Ben, I want to be... I'll, I'll read, first of all, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour that never always kind of just hits me a bit roaming around looking for someone to devour and he calls it this is it's an enemy it's not to, he never wants anything good for you and something i was actually talking with this week about uh, some German folklore and some of the weird stuff that they use to scare children into doing the right thing. And So I want to be clear, this is not folklore. This is not something to make sure that the kids are in bed on time and brush their teeth. This is a real enemy that we have. And it's an enemy that hates God hates all things that are good, hates righteousness, and hates it when we are seeking a righteous life, when we're seeking God in our lives. He hates that. He's going to do whatever he can to get us away from that, and he's not alone. Uh, The Bible talks about that when he fell from heaven, uh, which we don't have time to get into, which is a very interesting subject, but he brought one-third of the angels with him, and so there are just multitudes of people, of, of workers that he has that, are also, that also hate you, that also hate righteousness, that also hate God and anything that uh, God would represent or try to do in anybody, in any individual. And so we need to be aware of that enemy. And uh, he goes after, he and his workers, his minions, go after all people, all people in the world. And he uses the world, he uses uh deceit, he uses um anything that he can to try to blind us to the truth and it's he especially hates us as believers, and so I want to be really clear that we have to be very careful and very alert, be sober of sober mind that that he is actively trying to affect us. And we can't think that as believers we're somehow immune to this, that somehow we're not going to be affected. And I think another thing that we do a lot is we'll say, we tend to think, well, if I, you know, if I had more money or if I, if I had you know, better health, if I had this relationship better, then, then I wouldn't struggle so much. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be so difficult. I wouldn't feel so attacked. And we have to be really careful with that. The devil attacks us when things are good, when things are bad, He's going to use any method he can. And so we want to be very aware of that enemy. And, and another thing, again, yeah, he uses the world. And this is where we really start to see this, his schemes kind of unfolding. And I think something that he tries to do often, and this is where we see this verse come in, is that he tries to get us to be confused about what we're fighting and that's, you know, i actually, I'll tell you guys today on, this is not part of my notes, but on the way here, I had a very interesting experience on the road where a guy was just very aggressive and driving really angrily. And I, I had to pray. I was like, all right, I'd feel a lot of emotions about this guy cutting me off in traffic right now. And I have to remember that I'm not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people. We want to love People. But we have to remember there is an enemy that wants to confuse us and to make us try to focus that anger onto a person. And we have to remember that God loves our enemies. He loves the people that we that we hate. He loves the people that we don't like very much. Those people at work or in class. Everybody has people that you don't really, you know, that rub you the wrong way. There's nobody in here that can be like, no, I love everybody, everyone's great. It's not true. We all have people that can not be our favorite people to be around and the devil wants to use that like to try to direct our anger, our frustrations onto the person but we want to fight that and be remember that we don't fight against flesh and blood our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the ruler of this dark age he is ultimately the one that's trying to manipulate us with that so how do we fight the devil? we suit up We've got to put on the full armor of God. This is just one aspect of our struggle or our fight that we have with the devil, but I think this is the best depiction that I I see in Scripture of how we can be ready. So, Ephesians 6.13, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So, meaning to st- that, that after everything that you struggle with in the midst of the fight, you're still on your feet. And to stand is so important. It lends to this image of a soldier. I picture this, you know, if I'm kind of a movie buff, as, as a lot of you will know that have been coming here for a while. And uh, I picture any kind of movie, and especially these kind of old war movies, maybe like Braveheart, it's a good, good image, you know, and the soldiers kind of all standing in one line. If one falls, it makes all of the ones around them weaker. And if you are in the middle of battle and you fall to the, to your, to the ground, you're in a pretty bad situation. You'll be easily trampled, easily overtaken. And so it's so important for us to stay on our feet and this therefore is kind of making this transition between he's saying hey this is so here's the enemy you face it's not flesh and blood you're facing the devil you're facing an an evil that's beyond the person in front of you and so with that in mind you don't have what it takes to defeat him you don't have the 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 strength in yourself you need the strength of God. You need to do it in the might of God. You need to put on this armor. That's how you defeat this. Therefore, put on this armor. We need his strength. We're at war. The Bible refers, uses a warfare a lot as an image for our, our Christianity. We're soldiers of God. And we face this real enemy that we can't defeat alone. And our strength is found in the Lord's army. In the Lord's armor. Sorry. Both work, though. And this idea of armor is, again, it's an old one. And I think, the, especially as it's, it's God's armor. And I want to give you guys just a, a little snippet, an image of, of kind of where we see this. It's a few times in reference in the Old Testament, but in Isaiah 59, verse 17, He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. So here we see God's own armor and a, this, this image of something that's put on, something that is... Uh, You know, kind of not, is distinguished from the person themselves. And I think that's really important for us to understand before we dive into the armor itself. That is something that we need to put on. So basically, we're not Superman. We don't have superpowers. We're more like Iron Man. We have, it's our power, our, yeah, that was was for you, Gio. It's the one, one guy that got it. We, it's in the suit itself. That's where our strength comes from. It's in putting this on. And so that's really important for us to keep in mind. And our, our God, our King, the Lord of Lords, gives us His own armor to face this enemy that we have. It's His enemy too. And He gives us His glorious, righteous armor to face this enemy And when we put it on, we should feel a confidence in that. So let's suit up. Let's get to the armor. We're going to go through it uh, verse by verse, starting with 14. So chapter 6, verse 14. Stand firm then. There we see it again, the importance of staying on our feet. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So our first two pieces, and I've read a lot of things about this. I don't think that there's any particular reason why he goes in the order he goes. It's not in any kind of of individual importance. I certainly don't think that we can put any above the others in that sense. So they're all important. just want to emphasize that. But he starts with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So let's look at the belt. Belt is important. I'm wearing a belt, and you should all be thankful. Belts are important they hold things up, they keep things together. And the belts that he's referring to are even more important because the men that would have been going into battle wore a tunic, which is basically a man dress, and you don't want to have anything flying around when you're in battle. When you're out there fighting and you're in hand-to-hand combat, you don't want you know, your dress blowing around. It's just not going to be easy. The enemy is going to take advantage of that real quick. They're going to grab it. They're going to throw you down. It has to be belted in. And so they would actually tuck their tunics in really tight, tie everything together, and then put this belt on that would kind of hold it all together. And that's really important for us to notice because this idea of putting it all together, I think of more of this kind of this trueness like in the sense of an arrow being shot true, that this kind of truth, this is about authenticity, about living an authentic life before God. We don't want any loose ends. We don't want things kind of not really being looked after. This is about how, how are we living always? Not just when we're at church, not just when we're around certain groups of people, but are we living authentically in all areas of our lives at all moments of our lives in first or sorry second timothy chapter 2 verse 4 no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer we can't be sidetracked we can't be looking over here looking over there we need to have our eyes fixed on Christ, when we're alone in our room, when we're in church, no matter what group of people we're around, that our eyes are fixed on our commander, that we're not sidetracked. Our goal should be to please him, to serve him, to honor him, even when no one's watching. We want to have that belt on tight. We don't want any loose ends. We don't want anything kind of flaying around in the wind when we're in battle. And when you're in battle, when you have those secret sins, when you have those things off to the side, that's when you're going to, the enemy is going to take advantage of that. And so we don't want to have anything loose. We want to have everything tight. So next piece, breastplate of righteousness. Now this one's this is kind of, if you don't know what that is, it's, uh, I think, the most common image would be kind of the metal piece that would go here you know, that was hand-hammered out. Uh, there was also leather ones and also uh, ones made of different kinds of chain. And there were different ways that this was made, but it's absolutely vital piece of the armor because it protects the vital organs. It protects the heart. You get shot in the arm, it's going to hurt, but you'll probably live. You get shot in the, in the chest. You're going to have a hard time walking away from that. And so we have to protect that, uh, and it needs to be protected well. And so righteousness, I I think of three different uh, explanations of righteousness that we see biblically. I'll go through these really quick. The first is self-righteousness, and this would be the absolute weakest armor you could possibly wear. This is like a cardboard breastplate not really going to do much good you could shine it up and paint it and it could look really nice but in the end it's going to have no value in protecting your vital organs and so we don't want to try to be righteous by our own strength by living really well in that sense we want to be covered by God's righteousness which the second righteousness that I would talk about that I would reference is God's righteousness through Christ that we are the righteousness of God in Christ and that is a part of that. I do believe that that is a part of that armor. But I would actually go uh, a step further. Because he's emphasizing that we need to put this on, I would say, as, as far as I see very clearly, uh, our righteousness that we have through Christ is not something we have to put on every morning. It's always with us. As soon as we start walking with Christ, as soon as we are believers, that righteousness is on us and we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So what righteousness is he talking about? What righteousness do we put on? Romans, actually Romans chapter 6 all the way through would explain this really well, but I'm going to look at just verse 13. So Romans 6, 13. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So that's us as believers. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So what do we put on? What is the breastplate of righteousness that we put on? This is living righteously. So we are we are righteousness. We are righteous in the sight of God. When he looks on us, he doesn't see our sin because we're covered by the blood of Christ. And that is very clear. So this isn't about earning. We don't want self-righteousness. We don't want the cardboard breastplate. We want the real thing, and that is living righteous. That we want to be instruments of righteousness in the way that we live our lives, the decisions we make. And a clear way to look at this, when in, in reference to how do we uh, fight the devil as he's attacking us, well, do the opposite that, of what he would want you to do. So it's a real clear protection That if the the devil's never going to tempt you to do something good. He's never going to tempt you to do something righteous. He's never going to attack you in that way. And so if we're living righteous, then we have this automatic protection against a lot of attacks of the enemy. Because we're not not in that, that position where we're having to make a really hard decision in the heat of the moment. Because we're not in that position. Now there are times, obviously where there are different kinds of attacks and he kind of explains those later, but there is a protection that comes with living a righteous life. It's a defense to live righteously, righteously, righteous, in righteousness, because you are not in the place where you are so easily exposed. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So this is about, this is our boots. need your shoes. It would have been sandals, but I like boots better. And uh, anyone who's ever been on any kind of long hike in Freiburg, it's pretty common. Shoes are really important. You need good shoes. You want to have good shoes wherever you go. I climb a lot, and climbing, also very important, different kind of shoe, but shoes are very important uh, and make a huge difference in your ability to stand. So, we want to have good shoes. And this readiness is about being ready to proclaim the truth of the gospel, being ready to share the truth of Jesus. It's that simple. That is what our shoes are. Because if, shoes are, if we know that shoes are important and an uncomfortable pair of shoes can make a horrible day and a good pair of shoes can make things go well, how much more in battle? when you're in battle and you're facing the enemy, to have good shoes. And the key to these shoes is the readiness because the devil is pushed back as we are ready to share the gospel, always having it at hand, always ready to speak that truth. 2 Timothy four two, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience, and careful instruction. Be ready to share the word of God. To be ready to share your testimony about Jesus Christ. And how he's worked in your own life. And just have that truth. Know it. And always have it ready. Shoes also enable us to stand firm even on uneven or rough terrain. When the ground is uneven. When things are unstable. When we're in the midst of, of kind of a, a rough time in our lives. This readiness to share the gospel is always going to be, I think, a light and an inspiration and helps us to be moving forward. The devil is always going to be ready. He's ready too. And so we, as we need to be ready to move the gospel of Christ, always forward, always taking new ground for the kingdom of God, which simply means loving people putting yourself in positions where you can love people and you can share that truth with them. We're not, we're not out there trying, we're not trying to force anybody, we're not trying to you know, make someone understand the truth. We want to always be ready to speak the truth and we, as Peter says, we want to always be able to do it in love, in a loving way that they see the love and their love attracts. We can't force anybody with anything else but we can draw them in with that truth with love, And that's what we want to be ready to do. And that is the boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So shield of faith, really important. And moving a little quicker. The thing that's really interesting about this is the... Is, you know if an enemy shoots you with an arrow and you hold up your shield or it hits your armor you've you've made it but if the if it's on fire then you have a whole new problem to deal with and so these what what are the fiery arrows to me these are clearly carefully made designed attacks for you for your situation for your insecurities, your problems, the things that he can, he's going to be looking for a hole that he can get an arrow in and he's going to design it in a way that even if it doesn't penetrate, it still has an effect. It's still going to burn. It's still going to hurt. It's still going to affect you. And these are dangerous. But we have a shield of faith and that shield of faith doesn't just block the arrows, it puts them out extinguishes that flame immediately. So if the fiery arrows are these specially designed attacks that the devil uses to try to really get to us and affect us, which can come at... I believe they come a lot in times of fear or when we're feeling small or insecure. There's going to be attacks of fear, of loneliness, of doubt, unbelief, anger, jealousy... And also he might attack you when things are good. With pride, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, as we looked at earlier. So his attacks are different for each of us, but they are strategic a lot of times. We hold up the shield of faith, we're protected, the fire is extinguished, but faith in what? What are we having faith in? We have faith in God's promises, Because just like his arrows are specifically designed, God has promises specifically designed. You know, some fire you don't want to put water on. Some fire needs dirt, and some fire needs water. And God's promises are so abundant in Scripture. When we stand on those and we hold them up, it doesn't just keep that dart from hitting us. It extinguishes the flame. I think for me personally, one that I, I go to a lot that we can all kind of stand on is, again, the righteousness of God in Christ. When I feel like an attack of, you know, who are you? What are you doing? You know, you're not, you're worthless or any attack like that. We can, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That just puts that out. It has no effect. Another one, if you're feeling pretty much any other attack, we can stand and say, wait a minute. No, I, I have the spirit of God in me, which is producing good fruit and that fruit is the fruit of the spirit which is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control got it all nine and so i can stand on that promise wait i know that these things are being formed in me and then immediately that dart is just it's out so we can stand on these promises that is our shield of faith and when we do again they have no lasting effect it's, you, you can still get hit with them. I'm not saying that you're not going to have like a moment where you're maybe jolted, but when we immediately uh, apply those promises, then we won't see that burn that we do when we don't. Verse 17: Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Helmet of salvation, really quickly. This is your salvation. This is that you are a child of God, that you are saved, covered by the blood, that you are the righteous of God in Christ, and you have this relationship with God through Christ's work in you. Awesome. That's something that we need to be excited about. And I think just remembering it daily, just kind of, oh, thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, even me. How awesome is that? That's You've got the helmet on. And I think it's something that we can... We always have, when we have our relationship with God, we always have that salvation. But I think this idea of putting it on is just keeping it in the forefront. It protects our mind, that we're mentally aware of what Christ has done, that we think on what He's done and our salvation. So it's something that we should love and be excited for this great gift that it is. Sword of the Spirit. Finally, we're to the weapons. It's getting exciting. Sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, a.k.a. the Bible. Newsflash there. The Bible is our weapon. And it's interesting because it's also our defense. So we have the shield of faith where we hold up the promises of God, but we can also wield it as a weapon against the enemy. We can also be on the offense. And we see a really great example of this, I won't have time to get into, of, of Jesus as he's in the desert and he's being tempted by the devil and with every with every attack he counters with an attack is it not also written and so it's good to have that in our hearts because the devil as we also see in that example the devil also knows scripture he also knows the bible and so we want to know our weapon <laughs> you know you can't uh, store it in the in the closet and take it out every now and then we want to know that weapon have it at our side You don't want to run into battle without it. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's a powerful tool. It's not something to play with. It's something to wield with Precision. And so we want to know it. We want to memorize Scripture. We want to meditate on Scripture. A Roman soldier in that time would not have, uh, you know, mistaken his sword for someone else's. He would have been able to pick it up and know its weight, know its balance, know all the nicks and scratches. As a sword, we want to know it well, have it be something that's Connected to us. So, to review really quick, before we dive into the next section, we've got the belt of truth. We've got all the loose ends tied up. We're living authentically before God. We've got our breastplate of righteousness. Not self-righteousness, not a cardboard breastplate. We've got a steel, heavy-duty one, as we are covered with God's righteousness, because we are righteous through Christ's work but also living a righteous life we've got our boots we're ready to spread the word we're ready to go where he sends us and to uh, speak to those that he calls us to speak to we've got the shield of faith where we're protected on and we can stand on the promises of God that extinguish any flame that would try to get to us we've got our helmet of salvation that we think on and love and meditate on and we have the sword of the Spirit, our offense against the enemy. And all of this is good gear to have and should be put on daily, not just sometimes daily. And I know it's, it's so easy, I think, for us to say, well, you know, I don't need my breastplate today. It's heavy. You know, I don't want to live righteous today. I don't need the sword and the shield all the time. Do I really need to know the Bible it's so important that we are, and I love that going back to uh, Peter, who says that we need to be sober minded. We need to be ready. The enemy's out there, he's looking for someone to devour. And so don't be caught napping. Don't be caught without your sword, without your shield, without being fully armed. It's so easy to neglect these things, but I encourage you, challenge you to put these on daily. So, finishing in through the rest of our text, uh, this armor is crucial, but it's not the only thing that we have at our disposal. It's not our only weapon. It's not our only tool. In Ephesians, back to Ephesians 6, verse 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, the importance of prayer... Cannot be understated. We could go on and on for a couple more hours on the importance of prayer and how to apply that importance to our lives. But quickly, in line with this soldier view, prayer is also like a weapon. It's something that we can, we can always call on God for backup, for support, calling the airstrike. It's important to be constantly in prayer and know that we are never standing alone we can always call on him we can always ask him and that not only can we but we should not just for ourselves but for one another for all believers he says that we should be alert in this in first john 15 verse 16 i'll just say quickly that jesus talks about how we can ask that he He's called us to himself and that we can ask for anything in his name and he is faithful to give it to us. And so anytime that we're in these battles, that we're struggling in the day-to-day, we can always call on him. And we, can, we also want to be in constant contact with him. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, nice short verse, pray continually. Some versions pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. It's so important to be praying. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you have to be on your knees and, you know, candles lit and, you know, really in the moment and silent, good music on maybe. Just be talking to him. When we're in battle, when we're in war, it's so important to be connected with the commander. Otherwise, you might be finding yourself walking the wrong way. All the rest of the troops are over here and you're over there wandering around. We need to be in constant communication with our commander, and that's what praying continually looks like. And we also, as it says, we want to be praying in the Spirit, that we're not alone even in our prayer time. In Romans 8, 26 through 27, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and he and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people and in accordance with the will of God now very briefly on this big topic i just want to point out that when we pray the holy spirit is with us to put it simply as christians the holy spirit is indwelling within us we he's molding us and a part of that he also intercedes For us in prayer. And a really simple way I think that a lot of Christians experience is uh, maybe you're praying and then suddenly, you know, your aunt so-and-so you haven't talked to in years pops in your head, pops in your heart, or that person you know from work that you really don't like very much. Maybe God's telling you you need to pray for them. Maybe God's putting them on your heart that you need to lift them up in prayer. And that's sometimes we don't know what to pray. And so we can just kind of in these moments trust that God that that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us and connect with us and lead us even in our prayers and also even when we're in silence just kind of in the presence of God having these moments where we're just we've prayed or we're praying and we just kind of sit with God there are times that He will lead us He'll put things in our hearts and we can kind of trust in that and if you're like I don't know what what, Spirit you know silent groans what, what is all this I would say if you're the best place to start when it comes to a prayer life is to just pray often. Pray as often as you can. Pray continually. And as you pray more, I think it's, it'll become more obvious or the the spirit, the Spirit's effect and His kind of connection in that will become more obvious because He's always there. And the more we pray, the more we're in the presence of God, the more that will become prevalent in our hearts and in our lives and in the way we pray. So finishing off the text, verse 19 And 20, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I love this, that Paul says, pray, basically, another translation says, pray that I have boldness, which is fascinating because... We look at Paul's life. Boldness doesn't seem to be something he was really lacking. He was very bold, very outspoken, had no, seems to be fearless. But here he acknowledges the need for prayer, that he is in desperate reliance on God every step of the way. He's nothing without him. Without that armor, without the prayer support of others, he's just a guy. And so, with that in mind... In closing, I promise—I mean it this time—I want to encourage you guys, especially as we're stepping into this break. We're going to have, you know, next four weeks no church at five service, which means I know none of you have anything to do at five o'clock on Sundays. And I want to encourage you to be taking time to pray. Number one, for the for the pastors of this church, especially Sam and Alex as the lead pastors, that they would be led by God, that they would be empowered and anointed for what God's calling them to do, to speak boldly. We want to be praying for them. I ask you to pray for me uh, in, in all of the, the leadership of, of Church at Five. Pray for the, whole, the church as a whole and all the services, not just Church at Five, but the Sunday morning, the Wednesday night, the, uh, the youth groups, the, the children's workers and the, and the children's service. Be praying Always, for all believers. Be praying for the believers in in this city, in this nation, being persecuted overseas. I'll invite the bandit. You guys can come on back up. And most importantly, what I'll leave you with is pray for one another. Pray for one another. Find people to connect with that you can be praying for. And sometimes, you don't have to know them. Maybe you just... God, maybe the Holy Spirit put someone on your heart. Or maybe, I, there's a lot of ways that can look. But it's so important for us to be praying for one another. That we are a family, number one. And so we want to be a support for one another. But also as soldiers, we want to be protecting one another. And strengthening one another. And giving people that backup. We stand side by side on the battlefield. And prayer is an empowering Source where we are connecting with our commander and and declaring our reliance on him. Not just for ourselves, but for all believers. And we're united in that. So, I encourage you with that. I hope you guys are encouraged and strengthened and and challenged to put this armor on daily. So right now, we're going to do a song. I invite you guys to stand and we'll worship together before we close. I ask you guys to stay standing. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Father, we thank you for all that you've provided for us in our daily walks with you, that you give us the tools, you give us the armor to stand, to stay on our feet for you. I pray, Father, that you would continue to strengthen us in that and to lead us and to guide us in our every day. In your name and for your glory. Amen.